With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We are friends with Fantasy Benefits. Mike, how hard are you right now? Oh man, I, I've been hard since you you know said hi. Welcome to Friends of Fantasy Benefits podcast. The fact that it's happened twice on the same news, it's it's very worrisome for me. We are friends with Fantasy Benefits. Try to buy them at all at this point. I think if you know you'd be lucky to probably get two more good seasons out of them at this stage of the game. We are friends with Fantasy Benefits. I guess I'm a little less concerned just because he was dancing around shirtless at the Meek Mill concert, and he looked pretty fluid there, so I don't think there's anything to worry about, do you? We are friends with Fantasy Benefits. Welcome into the Friends of Fantasy Benefits Basketball Podcast. I am your host, Ben Brennis. I am joined by Eric Mackey. Eric, how are you doing today? Good. How are you doing, Ben? I'm doing good. Eric, uh, today we have a bit of a shorter show. Um, we're going to be talking a little bit about some injuries and some uh, some potential trades now that the NBA trade deadline is um, less, than t- less than two weeks away. Um, we actually had a trade earlier today. And that was Mason Plumley getting dealt from Portland to Denver for Joseph Nurkic in a first-round pick. What are your thoughts on the fantasy impact this will have on Mason Plumley? Well, unfortunately for Plumley, you know he's going to probably slot in as initially the backup to uh, Jokic, but realistically. I mean, it'd be nicer if the Nuggets would utilize and put Jokic back at the four and then play Plumlee at center, but I could see him running him as a backup initially, uh, just kind of with how their roster's playing out. But, I mean, there's definitely going to be a decrease in minutes for him overall, I would expect. And then, you know, you kind of have to correlate that across with... uh, you know, most of his fantasy stats will probably suffer as a result. I don't expect it to be a tremendous hit, but anytime you're losing minutes and go from starter to backup, it's never a great thing. Yeah, for me, I'm, I guess it really depends on how many minutes he gets. Now, the one good thing about the situation is that there are a lot of injuries at this time um, to Denver overall. So, as a result, he may be able to get some some playing time to start off, and that could bode well for his fantasy value. They could end up being like, all right, you know what, let's try to run them both out, uh, play them at the four and the five. Um, doesn't matter who plays where, but we'll, we'll see if it does, in fact, affect his fantasy value. The other thing that could potentially happen is that um, because he's – being coached by Mike Mullen. Mike Mullen's been pretty good with big men over his uh, his coaching career. You know, you, you've seen him um, take DeMarcus Cousins and elevate him to another level. You have seen him do some work um, with uh, Nikola Jokic. I, I think that he'd be able to help Plumlee with his fantasy value. Um, 
if they are, in fact, able to get him consistent playing time. Earlier in the season, Plumlee was getting about 25 to 28 minutes a game, and he was still getting about four or five assists a game with, like, nine points and seven boards. I could see him being in a similar time situation in Denver as a result and him still having some value. Um, Do you think that he could have a similar role as to what the year started out with in Portland? Because at the beginning of the year, um, they just didn't really give him a lot of run. They were trying to tinker with their offense, it felt like, in Portland. Yeah, and I think I think you're probably going to see kind of a similar situation to what happened with the beginning of the year. I think, you know, at, at least to his benefit, he goes from kind of a fast-paced offense to another fast-paced offense. So, you know, it, it it's not like he's going to a team that's going to slow down the pace of play a lot, which I think he would struggle a little bit more if, if you got him on more of a slow-moving team. I think the interesting part with the Nuggets, too, um, and this is kind of a little bit of a, a tangent to some extent with what they're going to do with Gallinari, just because there's been rumors they might move him. You know, if they do ship Gallinari off, then realistically they may end up moving Chandler back to running the three, and then just shifting uh, Jokic over to the over to the four again, and then Plumlee starting again. So I don't. I think if if I'm if I'm a Plumlee owner, I'm not really doing much right now. Just kind of seeing how things pan out. I wouldn't be panicking, uh, but just kind of a situation to monitor. There's enough run with the Nuggets and enough injuries. It always seems on that team that you know even if he is running 25 minutes uh, a game, at least he's slotting up against the second team. So. It may come out in the wash a little bit, but I'd expect a little bit of a hit initially. Yeah, we'll have to see what happens just because, for me, it's a little bit surprising um, with how much Denver has been in the trade market um, talks overall. I've heard reports that they were willing to move Chandler at points, that now they're looking to move Gallinari, they could move uh, Moutier. Um, There's just... Uh, obviously, they just moved Nurkic. But there's a bunch of pieces that could move over there that is kind of surprising considering the team is playing for the playoffs. Now, I understand a lot can happen. In two weeks' time, they could go on a you know, five or so game losing streak, and that's possible. But with the with the All-Star, the All-Star game coming up, they'll be able to have an idea of what happens coming out of that weekend they'll be able to have a little bit better idea because they'll have another two or so games under their belt. They'll um, they'll have an idea if they will or won't trade Gallinari by that point. Um, and consequently, Moutier could also be dealt. So there's a lot of different factors that could come in. So uh, I agree with you. If I owned Plumlee, uh, which I do in a couple of leagues, I would consider holding on to him until after the deadline just to see what happens just because there's enough ability for them to still make the playoffs and him be a big part of that and for them to to be able to get some fantasy value elsewhere because they did have a good amount of depth um anything else to add on this eric well and i think kind of to speak as far as what the nuggets may do i don't know if they're gonna really do much of anything till after the break at this point um, just because I think some of it may be in flux because Gallinari's been out a couple games and he's probably going to be out through the All-Star break now with a groin injury. So he'll probably, you know, if 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 they do shop him, it probably won't be until he gets back on the court again just in case there's any concerns with his injury. Yeah, both him and Kenneth Fareed and Moody are all hurt right now. Um, so... It, it really shortens how much their bench rotation looks. So you'll actually get to look at some of these other players, and they may have an idea of, you know, what happens if we do move these guys? Is this what our team looks like? How how are they going to play everything? So it may be a good it may be good for them to see how they play without them while they're hurt because they may look to move them. Um, with Gallinari, you know, it just it really depends on where he goes um, if he does in fact get moved, just because. 
he he has been a prolific scorer in the past. This year, his numbers are a little bit down. But if those numbers come down, I could easily see you know, like you said, Wilson Chandler will pick up some of the slack, but I could see Pumley picking up some of that slack as well. Um, and Will Barton in turn could also pick up some value. Um, if Moody gets moved, I could see Jamal Murray getting a lot more run um, than he has been. And, but it really also depends on what they do. Like, if they're trying for that last playoff spot, you know, do you really run Murray out there? Or... Do they get another point guard back in the deal? It really just depends on like everything that happens. But this is one of the teams that we'll have to keep an eye on because there's just been so much trade talk uh, uh, around them for the last couple of weeks that it's been the first domino to fall. We'll have to see how the others um, fall in place if they do, in fact, fall. Eric, why don't we talk about another potential trade? Um, and that's Julio Okafor. Uh, the 76ers benched him against the Heat the other day uh, and uh, because there were other trade uh, talks that have apparently developed to the point where they could be happening any day now. And a lot of reports have been um, speculating that he could go to the Pelicans. If he does go to the Pelicans, what does that do for his fantasy value? Well, I think if he goes to the Pelicans, I mean, obviously he should probably start, um, given the nature of what's on that team right now. It just depends on on whether the Pelicans decide to move Anthony Davis back to power forward or not. Um, you know, based on, on how that team's constructed, I mean, he should, he should kind of get a good amount of run like he's had when he was actually starting in Philadelphia, but I don't think... I mean, you're moving kind of from one bad team to another one. Granted, New Orleans has a little bit more pieces, uh, you know, Drew Holiday and and Tyreek Evans and Buddy Heald in there. I don't. I think he'll actually probably fit better in that style of offense than he did in uh, Philadelphia. What are your thoughts? I think I think it would be good for him to get himself out of Philadelphia just because they have such a glut of big men. You know, they've had Urson and Saric and Noel and uh, Embiid playing this year. That It's tough for all of them to get some playing time, especially when they're basically, he is basically forced to play the center um, because Saric and Ilyasova have been playing the four. So when you're, when you're getting reduced to a spot where there's three players who can all be good talented players it makes it tough to find a time now they've been lucky that Embiid was hurt for parts of the year and that Noel has been but they've all been hurt they all have their flaws um Okafor is not a great defensive player by any means he gets blocks but he's not a good defensive player um he's a very skilled offensive player but he just because they haven't given him a lot of run this year it's tough to see exactly what will happen I think that it will be good for his fantasy value to go to a team like the Pelicans, provided that they don't give up um, Drew Holiday in the deal, uh, because they'd be able to run the pick and roll. It'd give um, the Pelicans another player. Um, I don't really know what the, the Pelicans would give up in order to acquire him, but I could easily see them potentially trading a pick or a future first or something of that nature just because of what the 76ers have. They may want anything um, that's remotely valuable um, because they can't get value out of him while he's playing. So I think it could be good for him. I think he could have a similar season to what he had last year. Obviously, he'd be the number three offensive player on that team if he does, in fact, stay in Holiday and Davis are still there. But he'll take playing time away from Terrence Jones, um, who's been getting a lot of run lately. So we'll have to just see what happens with that. Yeah, so far everything I've seen rumored-wise is them sending Okafor uh, for a protected 2018 first round and then either a Sheik or a Jinka. Yeah, I've also seen those reports. Um, So that's, that's probably what would happen. And I don't know if Philly is getting a better offer than that right now, considering how young he is. He he does. There is a lot of talent um, in that 
body of his. It just really depends on what they're able to get and give up. Eric, why don't we move on to the next uh, trade uh, subject, and that's going to be Serge Ibaka. Um, the Orlando Magic acquired him this year by giving up a first-round pick in Dante Sabonis, uh, or um, the rights to Sabonis, and they gave up Victor Oladipo, thinking that they would be able to get a long-term value out of Serge Ibaka. Now that they're looking to trade him because they have not been having a good season, is Serge Ibaka going to be able to bring in a lot of value wherever he gets dealt to? And do you think that he's able to bring his offensive or defensive game back up to maybe slightly better levels? Because uh, his defensive skills have decreased um, in terms of blocks per game each of the last few years. So do you think that could potentially increase? Or do you think that will stay roughly about the same? Usually when you have guys that are more of a defensive-minded nature, usually once you're, once the blocks start decreasing, you generally don't have an upswing in, you know, on blocks again. <laughs> you know, a lot of times it's not a, a stat that's that's going to be specifically correlated with, um, you know, what whatever team you're on per se. I mean, you know, you've got them potentially linked to Toronto. You've got them potentially linked to Miami. I think he'd be a better fit overall in Toronto just because he'd probably have to use a little bit more. He actually would probably get to focus a lot more on the defensive uh, side of things just given the fact that you've got, uh, you know, more of a, you know, Jonas Valanciunas who isn't exactly a defensive stalwart. And so basically you would be looking at, you know, him taking a little bit more of an interior presence there. I don't necessarily know that, you know, if he went to Miami, I guess he wouldn't get as much opportunity because you've got kind of a like-minded guy like Hassan Whiteside there. But I guess from a system standpoint, you might have better opportunity if he went to a team like Toronto. Um, But overall, I don't think... I don't think Ibaka is generally going to have the same levels of success as he had a couple of years ago in OKC. Yeah, I don't really think that if he gets moved anywhere, it's going to give him a big boost in fantasy value just because if he moves to Miami, what exactly is Miami giving up? I think he doesn't have as much of an offensive role there because as of right now, if they don't give up Drogic or Whiteside, they still have those two options. Who It makes it a little tougher for Ibaka to be able to do anything offensively. They'll still have other wing players that they like. You know, They have Tyler Johnson, uh, Richardson. No one likes Deion Waiters, but he still scores. You know, they, have player, they have James Johnson. There's other players there that it, it could take away from some of that value. And if he goes to Toronto... There's no way that he's going to have more looks than Kyle Lowry or DeMar DeRozan. So if nothing else, he's at best a third option there. So I can't see that being more of a beneficial thing for him than than it was when he was in OKC with Durant and Westbrook. I just can't see it. And at least now there's a viable fourth player that's um, offensive in Jonas Valanciunas. So I really have a tough time being able to see what he could do offensively and as the third or fourth option in Toronto. So for in terms of fantasy value, I think the best spot for him to go is probably to stay in, in Orlando unless he goes to a team that hasn't been uh, discussed in trade talks at all. Yeah, I think if he moves outside of Orlando, the only benefit he's going to get is potentially an uptick in defensive chances. I don't, you know, offensively, wherever he gets moved, He's probably going to get bumped down the pecking order, like you said. I just don't see a lot of benefit to him overall if he does leave Orlando. Yeah, I I find it tough to be able to see the fantasy value increase because it's, it's just very tough considering his makeup and the teams that he's been discussed with. For you to be able to see any anything unless there's multiple deals being worked out but like with Toronto I don't see him moving either of those two guards with 
with Miami, I don't see them moving Whiteside. They, we've been speculating that they move Dragic, but we don't know what they'll get back. So it just really depends on how it will affect uh, his fantasy value if he does, in fact, get moved. Uh, why don't we talk about another player who has not been in the trade talks as of recently, but he was talked about more, more a little bit of, about a month or so ago, and there's still talks about him potentially getting moved occasionally because he's able to leave as an unrestricted free agent uh, at the end of the season. That's Paul Millsap. Do you expect Paul Millsap to actually move? And if he doesn't, are you are you still looking to get him as a player, considering that his numbers appear to be down all across the board this year? I don't really see Atlanta trying to move Millsap at this point. Um, I don't think he's a... I don't really see them trying to actively get rid of him at this stage of the game. Um, he's not really a guy that, you know, if I own him, I'd try to sell him, but I'm not sure that I'm in the market to try to try to buy him at all at this point. I think if, you know, you'd be lucky to probably get two more good seasons out of him at this stage of the game. Yeah, I'd like to say that you could get two seasons out of him, but I've just seen the numbers decrease. With Horford leaving, with Teague leaving, it's taken some value away. Now Schroeder is there, and he's done a good job. But Dwight Howard coming in has not helped him in any capacity, I feel. So I'm a little bit disappointed by that. So we'll have to see. If he goes anywhere during the summer, I guess it really just depends on where he goes. But it could give him a slight boost in value. Um, Eric, is there anything else you have to add on Paul Millsap? Nope. Why don't we move into uh, our last potential trade talk player? That's Brooke Lopez. We've talked about Brooke um, for a number of different podcasts that we've had this year in terms of him being able to potentially move out of Brooklyn. Uh, Brooklyn is still standing standing firm that they want two first-round picks um, in return for uh, in return for Lopez. Do you think now that the Trailblazers have traded Plumlee and they have three first-round picks, one of which is Cleveland's and one of which is Memphis's that are later, both later in the draft, do you think they, they could try to acquire Brooke Lopez and make a late run for the postseason and they could either trade those two first or those two first and Joseph Nurkic? What, do you, what are your thoughts on this? You know, when we were discussing this initially, I was – kind of in the mindset it didn't make much sense to me for the Blazers to try to move those picks, just given what the 2017 class is kind of looking like right now. But the more you kind of think about it, it actually kind of does make a little bit of sense that they might do it, just because the majority of the picks that they've got in the first round are later in the first round and not in that lottery area to where, you know, you could do that and you could make a substantial run. I mean, Lopez from an offensive standpoint, better than Plumlee is, and to pair him up with Lillard and McCollum would actually be kind of an interesting fit in that offense. I mean, they're not, Portland's never been a team, you know, the last few years that's really been tremendously focused on a, de- on a defensive presence in the paint or anything like that, so you're not worried about Lopez in that regard. Uh, you know, but as a scorer, I mean, he's definitely got the capability uh, to kind of elevate that team, especially because there are a little bit of rumblings right now with how Portland's kind of been playing the last few games for them to actually maybe make another significant move other than, you know, if you want to consider Nurkic a significant move or not, but at least this way they've got the ability with the picks to go out and maybe get a veteran like Lopez to try to bolster their run into the playoffs. Yeah, for me, I feel if they were able to trade those two late-round first and Nurkic, I think the Nets would do that because they still get a young player if they do like Nurkic. They get two first-round picks, which they're not great, but they're in a draft class which is considered deep. The Nets aren't really getting anything else for Brook Lopez at this time. I, I, I'm not overly happy as a Nets fan with that deal. But I think that they can get some value if they have three first-round picks. Now, they would be all late-round picks, but they did it to themselves by doing that stupid Paul Pierce deal a couple years ago, 
and they have to kind of reload their system. And as a result, you know, you may be able to package those three picks and another player for like a top, a top ten pick or something in this year's draft as the, as the draft comes closer. Who knows? I, I, I don't work as a GM. I wish I did, but I don't. But they, they always give themselves more ammo than what they came into this draft class with. And while Brooke Lopez has a lot of value with the Nets, it, it's only X amount of time before he either gets hurt or before he loses his value because of his age to a capacity. And it just... It almost makes sense for the Nets to try to cash it in. Um, if he goes to Portland, I think he's clearly the third option there. I can see his points uh, per game taking a little bit of a hit, but I think because he's surrounded by other good players, it can boost his uh, his field goal percentage a little bit. It may boost his assists. Uh, it may be able to help boost his rebounds a little bit because he'll he'll be forced to sit in the paint and there's no Trevor Booker over there to go and take rebounds away really. Um, so it could give him a slight boost in overall value um, where he may get a slight decrease in points per game. Um, but at least he'll be he'll be open more because there will be uh, a lot of three point shooters on that team. So it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. That would be beneficial. I think if he did get moved, obviously this is a speculation that came from me when I was looking over everything, but it, it, it does make sense if the Nets are willing to trade and they're going to ask for two first round picks back at any point. I mean, they could even ask for those two and a future first round pick. Um, that's, you know, protected in some capacity, who knows, but at least, at least Portland is giving themselves ammo in case they do need to try to acquire someone. Eric, there's going to be one player that doesn't really have anything to do with trade talks, um, but his play could force the team to make another trade, and that's going to be Yogi Ferrell. Do you think that Yogi Ferrell is someone who could be a starter in this league and keep up the the consistency that he's done, or is this more of a insanity thing? And if he does keep this up, does that mean they're going to look to move Darren Williams, do you think? Well, I think with... With Yogi, really, right now, I mean, obviously, there's not a lot of ability for teams to kind of watch a ton of game tape on him, so he doesn't really have a whole lot of, uh, you know, kind of just looking at him from kind of a scouting perspective or trying to game plan against him. I think with where he's at, I mean, he's definitely going to be getting the minutes. Because they've got D. Will right now on a minutes restriction, and you know they don't want him getting hurt again or you know re-injuring something because then any potential trade value Williams had is going to essentially be gone at that point. But you know, with with Farrell, I think kind of what you see is what you're getting. You're not really getting a guy that's going to be you know, an elite scoring option or an elite assist guy, you're you're basically getting a guy that can perform decently in the minutes he's getting, but you're not really getting anything that's gonna, you know, kinda blow you away from a statistical standpoint, which, you know, given that team and kinda how everything's uh been going, who kind of facilitates everything you know, the numbers aren't exactly the ones that when you look at and you see he's getting 35 minutes and you're getting 12 points and two assists, that doesn't exactly get you terribly excited. I mean, he's he's technically the starter right now, even though the depth chart will show D. Will as the starter. But, you know, I think Farrell's kind of got a lock on this job right now until they do move Williams. Yeah, for me, I, I, I'm... I'm very happy with how Farrell's been able to play. It was weird because he had played with the Nets earlier this season and he had some playing time and he didn't show this explosiveness. And he's shown it in in Dallas, which is nice. 
um, and good for him. He was able to sign a two-year deal. He's played very well, and he may have may have played himself into a starter role. It does happen. I think we'll have to see um, how Williams does the next few games if he is in fact healthy from his his injury. Um, obviously, he's very injury prone player at this point in his career, so that only bodes well for Farrell um, in that capacity. The more time that Williams is out. I do think that they'll look to move Williams as a result of his play just to a team that may need a point guard um, for the stretch run. You know, you could theoretically give him um, give him to Denver if Denver's looking for a point guard that they're able to have for the stretch run and everything if they want a starter if Moutier is not their solution. Uh but I do think that Darren Williams will come back and be able to keep eating into the playing time that Farrell has as long as he's on this team. So that that's definitely a situation to keep an eye on. But with Farrell, you're going to still get um, a guy who is able to score, is able to shoot threes. He'll get you assists. He'll get you the occasional steal and board. Uh, he won't kill you from the field or the line as of right now. We'll see if uh, if his field goal like takes a major dive at any point, if teams start to figure out how to guard him defensively. But that will be something to keep an eye on. I think that, that Farrell is a, is a player that you're going to want to attempt to acquire if you have the ability to um, for the stretch run. Eric, why don't we move into... Uh, the last segment that we're going to be talking about. It's going to be some injuries. Um, I think that the two biggest injuries that we've had are that Zach Levine and Jabari Parker both went down with ACL tears. Uh, this is Jabari's second tear on his left knee, so that does not bode well considering he's been in the league for three seasons. But what are your thoughts on both of these players going forward. Uh, why don't we start with Levine? Well, with as far as Levine's concerned, obviously I'm a little bit kind of less concerned with him just from the standpoint that, I mean, obviously he hasn't torn it before. Um, but I think with him, kind of the hard part is, is he had, he had kind of started really coming into his own this season and he was actually leading... Uh, I think he was like third in the league for the amount of minutes he was playing per game. So he definitely was getting a tremendous amount of run uh, within that offense. I don't, you know, one of the main things with Levine is going to be his explosiveness. He's a very explosive player. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see how he comes back from that with that ACL tear to the knee, uh, just to see if he loses that or if he, regains it. I mean, obviously right now it's a little bit too hard to tell and he'll probably end up missing. I mean, obviously he's out the rest of this year, but he'll probably miss the first two months of next season too. Um, you know, just kind of with the nature of that injury uh, overall, it's kind of an interesting situation though with what it does with Minnesota, just because you've kind of got them trying to piece things together with uh, Brandon Rush. They're running Shabazz out there. Sometimes they signed Lance Stevenson uh, to a 10-day. Uh, and you could see him keep trying to experiment with more of a two-point guard lineup rolling out Dunn and Tyus Jones, too. So it's kind of taken a situation that had been fairly stable with that backcourt and kind of thrown it into flux to where you kind of got to see who's going to rise above, you know, what's left for the rest of that backcourt situation. Yeah, I, I'm i very disappointed with this Levine injury just because he was having such a good season. And I don't want to sap any of his athleticism. I do think that it is forcing Tom Thibodeau to have to kind of figure out who his next shooting guard is going to be. You know, they saw Lance Stevenson get an ample amount of runtime in his first game and then not so much his second. Brandon Rush is nothing more than just a uh, 
a three-point specialist at this point in his career. So we'll have to just really, uh, really look and consider what different options they may have. Um, do you think that there's at any point this year, if they don't trade Rubio, that they could run Dunn and Rubio out there in um, some type of two-guard format? It's possible they do that. I would actually, I mean, for me, if I'm going to take a stab on anybody, I'd probably end up looking to take a shot on Shabazz and see if they actually start running him out more at the two. Uh, Just because out of everybody else they've got on that roster, he's going to be the better fit of of kind of more of a standard two guard. I don't see... I mean, they've been they've been kind of messing around a little bit, running more of a two point guard style with with Comp and Rubio and Dunn out there, and then Dunn and Tyus. But you're really limiting the potential of that offense when you throw two facilitators out there and then relying basically on on Wiggins and Cat to run the rest of that offense from a scoring standpoint. I think as the season goes on. Um, yeah, this is kind of a situation. I think that Shabazz should get a should get a pretty good, decent run here. We'll just see what he has to do with it. Yeah, I think that he's definitely the player that you're going to look to get. Now, you're not going to get much out of him um, outside of very scoring um, because he just doesn't he doesn't tr- uh, he doesn't contribute a lot in steals or in assists. Uh, he'll get the occasional uh, rebound in three, but nothing nothing to write home about. But I definitely think that he is going to be the player that picks up the most value in this situation. Uh, What are your thoughts on Jabari Parker? Because obviously this is the second tear on his left knee. It's his second major injury in three years. It's really a tough situation considering how he was developing this year. He became a more adept passer, became a bigger scorer. He had very good percentages considering, and he was getting a lot of minutes. What are your thoughts on Parker? Do you think that he's able to come back, or do you think that this is going to be a much longer um, much longer recovery time because it is something that happened the second time around? Yeah, I mean, with Parker, it is really disappointing with him too because he was finally starting to kind of look like the player that that a lot of people thought he was going to be coming out of college. I mean, obviously, it took him a long time to even get his minutes restriction lifted off of the first one. Um, So realistically for him, kind of the same situation with Levine is you're looking at probably he's going to be out at least through the first two months of next season, potentially longer, depending on... Uh, you know, what all the extent of it is and how his recovery goes with it. But for him, what kind of makes it really disappointing is just the fact that, you know, they could put him on another, a little bit longer minutes restriction just to see how that knee reacts. Since, you know, you tear it a second time, there's a lot less to be able to be kind of repaired and reworked in there to a situation where, he may not even be a viable player for two seasons for fantasy just because of the fact that, you know, if he comes back and he's on a minutes restriction, and assuming he's back at his earliest point, you know, coming into maybe November, December of next season, you know, and then he's on a minutes restriction for the rest of the year, depending on how that knee holds up, I mean, he may not even be viable till, till you're looking into like the 2018 uh, 2019 season at the earliest. Yeah, for me, I'm just I'm very worried. Like if I was a dynasty league owner, I, I I'd I'd really be unsure about what I wanted to because he is so young and he's so talented, and it's just this injury is never this is never a good injury, and the fact that it's happened twice on the same knees, it's it's very worrisome for me. Um. I don't know how long that recovery will take, but I could easily not see him being overly fantasy viable until at least the second half of next season. And that makes it very difficult for me as a owner to to just hold out hope because 
we don't know what will happen in terms of their overall team makeup. Middleton will be back at that time and hopefully be playing well. Giannis could take yet another step forward. We don't know what will happen in regards to anyone else that they get, um, whether it's free agency or through the draft. It, it could knock down some significant value for Parker as they work him back in slowly, um, provided he's ever able to come back to the same level of fantasy um, value that he had. So for me, it just... It's not something that I'm happy about, and I'm definitely more worried about this than I am with Levine, even though Levine is all athleticism, and that saps his athleticism. I, I, I'm just more worried about this being the second time around. Yeah, I'd agree. I think kind of the the fallout from this is obviously it locks Giannis into way more of a, I mean, he's already got a solid role there, but. I mean, he's pretty much going to be it on that roster as far as any type of score goes. You know, it depends on what they want to do with Middleton as far as how much run he's going to get. Uh, Michael Beasley will probably get a little bit more run. And then depending what happens, they may end up throwing Brogdon out there a little bit more as a at the two guard and shifting Middleton down to the three if they need to do that. They've Fortunately, I mean, they do have okay depth to kind of fill them in at power forward, but it's the drop-off from him to, like, Beasley or Toledovich is pretty pretty significant, too. So, if anything, it it almost solidifies Giannis as just the only guy left on that team, really. Yeah, it's, it's good if you're a Giannis owner because he may take yet another step last two games, he's got to the, the free throw line 35 times, and he's hit 30 of them. Like, he's just taking so much more scoring upon him. Uh, the ability to do everything is just taking upon himself, and that can be good or bad, but we've seen what it can do for Russell Westbrook. And I'm not saying that Giannis is Russell Westbrook because they're different types of players um, in certain capacities, but you could just see that usage continue to soar through the roof and for him to just have to develop more, and we'll, we'll see what happens um, to that. Why don't we move into the next injury, Eric, and that's going to be talking about Joel Embiid, who's missed 12 out of the last 13 games. Uh, he has a small tear in his meniscus. Uh, he's got a bone bruise in the same knee. Now, he has been uh, seen at shoot-around, so that's at least a step in the correct direction. Um, this was on, this was in yesterday's game. Uh, he was seen at shoot-around. So that's a step in the correct direction for him. They'll probably still set him out for the next two games through the All-Star game. But what are your thoughts on Embiid? Because obviously we have seen him have some knee injuries in the past, that have kept him out uh, his first two years. Are you worried about this more so than um, than you were a couple weeks ago? Um, because with all these knee injuries, at some point, you know, you start to get worried with big men. So, what are your thoughts on Joel Embiid? Well, I guess I'm a little less concerned just because he was dance around shirtless at the Meek Mill concert, and he looked pretty fluid there, so I don't think there's anything to worry about, do you? The only thing I worry about is that he could have long-term knee injury problems, which sees him not be able to get a full amount of playing time when he's in there, you'll see him rested at points during the season. You could see him be out more. So it's kind of like it's kind of like uh, an Anthony Davis type situation in terms of you know he's going to get nicked up at times, you know he's going to be out, but when he's in there, he's real solid. He gives you great stats. Um, I mean, it's his first season playing, and he's put up twenty points, two and a half boards. He's shooting a three. He's good um, in terms of percentages. He gets boards, he gets you assists, um, and the occasional steal. So there's nothing wrong with how he plays. He's he's a very good all-around player, and we can see why they were so happy to get him at the third pick two years ago or three years ago. But you do have to worry that he could just not be the type of player who's always healthy. 
And for that, it kind of diminishes a little bit of his fantasy value because you can't count on him to play 80 to 82 games a season, you know? Yeah, and in, in all seriousness with him, I mean, when when you're dealing with the knee injuries, especially with, with big men, I mean, the guys had an injury track history clear back into high school, whether it was his back or his knee in college. And then, you know, he spent the first two years basically doing nothing in the league to where he's he's definitely shown his dominance but you know you start getting a lot of those recurring soft tissue issues it's going to be something that's probably going to plague him the majority of his career and you know he's a guy when he's playing he's an absolute beast I mean you see what he's been doing on you know 28 minute limits and you just think man if he could get a full run but you know I don't know with him if he's going to be a situation we'll ever get to that point that he will see a full allotment of minutes because I just I think with him he's got enough track record you're going to see this stuff going forward throughout his entire career probably. Yeah, I agree. Um, Eric, why don't we talk about our last two players that have been useful for fantasy teams this year uh, that are both hurt right now with uh, some ankle injuries, and that's Thaddeus Young and Dion Waiters. Now, I don't expect them to be out uh, for that much longer, probably right around when the All-Star game comes back. It's another another week or two. But do you think that this injury could slow down some of their value um, if it is a more lingering injury? Because... We do know that there have been players that have had ankle injuries in the past, and we we think that they're an easy fix, and then, boom, they're out for a while. Like, look at what happened with Dragon Bender. Dragon Bender was expected to play it a couple of times, and then all of a sudden he just gets arthroscopic surgery on his ankle, and he's out four to six months. So, you know, it does happen occasionally that people think that the ankle injury isn't as bad, and, boom, he's out for five games already, and then you know, he's out for another six more after. So what are your thoughts? Well, usually with most of those guys, I mean, I'm always more concerned with NBA players on lower body injuries than I am with, with upper body. I think with Thad, too, he's also got a wrist injury right now and a shooting on his shooting arm, too. Um, you know, I mean, when when he plays, he's, he's a great source for double-double, for rebounds and points. But with him... I'm a little less concerned. The Pacers seem to be managing them pretty well and basically just holding them out. They're not really going to risk them overall uh, in that aspect. But, uh, you know, anytime you do get those ankle issues, things like that, it definitely gives you a little bit of pause for concern. I, you know, if, if the team holds them out, I, I, have, I don't worry about it as much. Uh, if they're giving them decent time to kind of rest and rehabilitate but if you get those situations like you know kind of what you're seeing a little bit with jimmy butler and that heel is you know he'll be out a few games then he'll come back play a couple games and he'll be out a few more games you know i'd rather they almost just shut the shut the player down and let him actually get healthy rather than to keep trying to get that repetitive injury yeah i agree it's it's frustrating because I'm I'm a Butler owner, and him coming back and then playing the game, and now he's out again. It's it's bothersome. So I agree that teams sometimes just need to let that injury wait itself out. Now sometimes they are longer um, than expected. Like look at Jeremy Lin. Jeremy Lin wasn't expected to be out as long as he has been with his hamstring injuries, but something keeps popping up, and that's a tissue injury. So I understand. Um, as opposed to a, a swollen ankle or anything of that nature, I do get it. But it, it makes it tough when the players want to come back and they say, oh, I can play, and then they play and then they like re-aggravate something. It, it's very frustrating as a fantasy owner, especially because those guys are both relatively well-owned players um, and they both contribute given their team's needs. So it, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Um Eric, anything else to add on any injury topics today? Not that I can think of. All right, Eric. Um, why don't you tell our listeners where you can be reached and what you're working on then? So I can be reached on Twitter at Mackie671. 
And right now I'm still working on uh, top 250 ranks for next season for football. Um, and I am at Bebrance FWFB. I currently host our uh, Friends with Fantasy Benefits baseball pa- podcast on Tuesdays with Chuck Anderson and Evan Peterson. So uh, give that a listen. Um, Eric and I will be doing a couple of Dynasty uh positional ranks um in the next few podcasts um we'll be starting with point guards and we're also going to be looking at what happens uh with the trade deadline over the next few weeks um eric anything else to say to our listeners before we uh before we go away for the all-star break no nope, i think i'm good uh it would really be nice to be able to actually go to the game and uh watch Watch everyone just throw alley-oops the entire game because that's all the All-Star game is at this point in its, uh, its entirety, doesn't it feel like? Yeah, it's, it's basically just an extended uh, dunk contest, basically, but you can get excited now that Dante Exum is in the Rising Stars team. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, what I'm, <laughs> that's what I'm happy about. And clearly Zach Levine knew he was going to be hurt because he pulled himself out of the dunk contest, so that, that's definitely why he pulled himself. Um, but so Eric, until next time, um, for all of our listeners, uh, from friends with fantasy benefits, have a great basketball season, everyone.